0: The sportscaster and her son is brought to you by ElectroFlex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. everybody, and welcome to The Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between generations, from baby boomers to generation X, Y, Z, and really anyone in between. You can find us on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, and just about anywhere that you get your audio. I am your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years.
1: And I'm Jason Conander, contributing writer for various websites, including Minor League Ball, Fanside, Bussing Brackets, and Windy City, and I'm in high school.
0: And you just celebrated your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. It was your golden birthday.
1: It was. How old? Seventeen.
0: Seventeen on the 17th. I love it. So we don't always get along, but we do both have a love of sports, which bridges the generation gap between us. I'm mom. You are?
1: Jason. Son.
0: Right. And so with this podcast, we try to cross over the generations and discuss sports from the past. So it's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In this episode, we are taping it in the summer. So, Jason, you know what season this is?
1: Baseball season.
0: It is baseball season. It's also Hall of Fame season. And that's when we get to hear some of the greatest sports athletes from various sports and their acceptance speeches their enshrinement into an elite club most speeches they're pretty much the same don't you think you know they typically thank family coaches yeah you know teammates things like that right others kind of stand out for their tone it's kind of like actress Allison Janney I don't know if you I know you don't like watching the Oscars I always watch the Oscars every year So when Allison Janney won her Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in the movie I, Tanya, she played the mother of Tanya Harding. Upon hearing her name called, she stepped to the microphone and joked, I did it all by myself. Yes, she said it as a joke. But back in 2009 in Springfield, Massachusetts at the Basketball Hall of Fame, well, Michael Jordan wasn't exactly joking. He was vindictive. He was
2: mean. You know, Jerry Krause was right there, and Jerry's not here. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know who invited him. I didn't, but uh, uh, I hope he understands. I hope he understands. It, it goes a long way. And he was a very competitive na- person. I was a very competitive person. He said, "Organization wins championships." I said, "I didn't see organization playing with the flu in Utah. I didn't see him playing with, you know, with the bad ankle." Uh, granted, I think organization put together teams, but at the end of the day, the teams got to go out and play. You know, so in essence, I think the players win the championship and the organization has something to do with it. Don't get me wrong. But don't try to put the organization above the players because at the end of the day, the players still got to go out there and perform. You guys got to pay us, but I still got to go out
1: and play.
0: Wow, Jason, had you ever heard MJ before?
1: Everybody's heard MJ's speech. Um, Honestly, like if I were to describe it, I'd say that it's kind of like a diss track towards anyone that doubted him. Um, Calling out former, I mean, what you call it, Jerry Krause, oh, called that out Jerry Kraus called out just uh, he i mean he called out uncomfortable. anyone he called out the player i believe he called out the player that was picked instead of him from his sophomore basketball team um he called out the coach that picked the player ahead of him he i mean he for, called out
0: Dean Smith
1: yeah yeah
0: his, his favorite coach he called out Dean Smith because he wasn't picked to be on the cover i think of it was sports illustrated right i i mean right.
1: <laughs> all these and,
0: guests who we are invited there for his induction, he basically dissed them.
1: Right, and 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 the, the weird thing about that was he was inducted on the same night as uh, David Robinson, John Stockton, and all their speeches were thanking everyone and so grateful. And MJ just kind of goes up and yeah, he reaffirmed everybody's belief that he's greatest of all time, but. He was awfully brash in doing so.
0: I know. It was really, it started off okay where he was talking about his family and he, it was really nice. He was introducing his brothers and his sisters and saying how competitive they were with each other, Uh, made a couple jokes. It was pretty funny. But then it was almost as if he had to remind everyone that he was the greatest. And he didn't have to remind anyone of that. Everyone was celebrating him. You know, and I was thinking about, he said, you know, all, oh, well, of course, my teammates, you know, well, and they showed a shot of Steve Kerr. And all I could think of is all the stories of the practices when Jordan whipped the basketball, right. Steve Kerr and, right. um, you know, Tony Kukoc. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the nicest teammate, but he brought the best out of all of them. It would have just been nice to see him um, a little more humble, I guess. Exactly. Right. Um.
1: You know the the thing that really stands out to me with MJ's speech is that it's such a polar opposite of like what you'd think your typical Hall of Fame speech, not just for sports, for anything. Whenever you get inducted into Hall of Fame, it's always thanking everybody that helped you get to that point. Um, but another speech that wasn't exactly, didn't exactly fit that billing was Ryan Sandberg's speech. Um, I remember watching it a couple of years back, um, and it was pretty much. It was Yes, he thanked a lot of people. Yes, he, he was very grateful, but he, his point wasn't thanking people. It was more of bashing the steroid era, mm-hmm. emphasizing respect. It, it was almost as if he used his platform of getting inducted into the Hall of Fame to talk about what he thought really mattered instead of talking about himself, which is what everybody else, and quite frankly, it's what you're supposed to do. I was taught you never, ever disrespect your opponent or your teammates or your organization or your manager and never ever your uniform. Make a great play,
3: act like you've done it before. Get a big hit, look for the third base coach
1: and and get ready to run the bases. Hit a home run, put your head down, drop the bat, run around the bases. Because the name on the front is more, a lot more important than the name on the back. That's respect.
0: Boy, that was Cooperstown 2005 with Ryan Sandberg. And I don't know if it's true or not, but word has it that Barry Rosner from the Daily Herald wrote his speech for him. I'm sure he wrote it with him. I'm pretty sure that's true. I can't verify it for sure. I tried calling Barry, um, but he wasn't available to join us to talk about that. But I really liked because Ryan Sandberg was so quiet throughout his whole career. He was such a humble guy to hear him actually... Voice that opinion. I I I liked it. I thought it was pretty awesome, and it doesn't seem like it was actually almost fifteen years ago. That's crazy. Hey, we want to thank uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the use of the audio. You know, Jason, we've been really lucky in Chicago to have so many Hall of Famers that we've watched their careers.
1: I mean, for me, I'm a little young, so I haven't watched as many Hall of Famers.
0: All right, so I'll tell you who I've been, who I have seen. Richard Dent, Dan Hampton, Mike Singletary, Frank Thomas. Who, else, who have you seen? What Hall of Famers?
1: <sighs> I have to think.
0: Some of Frank Thomas?
1: Uh, no. Nope. Not at all. You didn't even not see Harold all. Baines.
0: No. Who goes in this year?
1: It, and, and the weird thing for me is now the players that I watch towards the end of their careers are getting inducted. Mariano Rivera I watched for two years. Um,
0: Brian Urlacher.
1: Oh, yeah, Brian Erlacher, I watched. Um, but I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of <laughs> players that retire, baseball especially. I'm trying to think of who went in the Hall of Fame with Mariano Rivera. Because, I mean, if, if, like, we're at the point now, anybody that's getting inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, for sure, I watched at one point or another. So, I mean, it's weird for me. It makes me feel old because obviously there's like the year window that has to or whatever the limit is it has to pass between retirement i mean as i get older i'm going to be watching more and more hall of famers and it's also cool to think like who are we watching right now it's going to be a hall of famer 15 20 years down the line like that that's that's just like in 20 years i'd like to think like wow like that guy really ended up being a hall of famer
0: it's crazy for me to think that i covered brian erlecker's entire career and that he went into the Hall of Fame. You know, yeah. that's that's when you feel old. So it's fun for you to see who are go, who is, you know, the next crop of Hall of Famers that you're going to see. That that's actually pretty cool. I like that. Do, will you actually watch the Hall of Fame speeches? Do you watch them?
1: Not unless I've got nothing else to do. Really? They don't do a great job of advertising them. I guess. Full, okay, the the NFL ones, it was kind of like hyped up, but like MLB, like. MLB, honestly, you don't really know that it's coming until the day. It's, I mean, when we went a couple of years ago, it was different.
0: But what was that like for you? Because we did go to Cooperstown.
1: Well, I was 12 years old. Um, it was awesome. It was it was really cool. It was cool seeing Frank Thomas's speech. Um, I think Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Joe Torre, and Bobby Cox, maybe, mm-hmm. all got inducted, too. So that that was cool to see all that. Um, and you're just surrounded by history for an entire weekend.
0: What awesome. I, One of the funny sidebars to the Hall of Fame speeches is that it's always brutally hot. Always brutally hot. Oh, yeah. And so they, in Canton, Ohio, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the guys are wearing their yellow jackets and they are... Just sweating, and you feel like someone is going to drop on the stage because oh, they're all—all all the living Hall of Famers are sitting in the back of the stage while the new guys are up there. The new guys are so nervous; they're sweating. It's hot. Um, Baseball tends to be the same thing. It's usually hot and sticky. Um, I always kind of you know, like to see those little sidebars that happen with that. But I—I I like watching the speeches. I'm—I'm I'm a fan of them. Well you know, there was nothing quite like July thirty first, nineteen ninety-three, Canton, Ohio, when a young Jared Payton stepped up to the microphone to induct his dad, the great Walter Payton, into Pro Football's Hall of Fame. Let's welcome Jared Payton of WGN TV onto the Sportscaster and Her Son podcast. Hey Jared, how are you?
2: What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So how old were you back when you did that speech for your dad?
2: Uh, Thirteen years old, if I'm not mistaken. So it was um, it was it was a, a big rush for me because at that time, Becky, I was I was a kid that was in middle school who was probably a kid that was afraid to get up in front of his class. Like when my teacher would ask me to get up and have to do like a book report or something, I would go to the nurse's office and be like, yeah, I think I have a cold or I I think I need to go home. Like, I would freak out. And so to have that conversation this one day when my dad came home and he's like, yeah, you know what? As he's grabbing something out of the refrigerator and closes it, he's like, I think you're going to induct me into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and my heart just dropped to my shoes. So I was like, no, Dad. And it was probably the hardest thing for me because – you know, some probably something that I struggle with and a little bit of anxiety with that part of, uh, of my life of getting in front of it and talking to people and then also knowing how much the moment meant to my dad, too. I think as a young kid at that time, I, I struggled with it, but I knew that I had to do it.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is so incredible and such an incredibly huge stage to have to do it on. Um, were you supposed to do it with Jim Fink's?
2: Well, I think things were supposed to do it, and then once my dad got wind of uh, his condition, it kind of got switched over. I don't. I I think I was I was a second man up, and um, you know how it goes. Sometimes it's just, it's kind of like how life is, you know, just in, in anything. And you know, one thing that I've learned just in ten years of marriage is that listen, you always need a, a backup, and you got to be able to help each other out, and you got to figure it out. And that's what family is all about. And, you know, I was kind of next up. And I, in my heart, I really believe that my dad kind of, I don't know, everything leading up to that point in my life, I feel like he was setting me up for it, you know, because it became that defining moment of my life. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was a, a time where, you know, now to be able to say, you know, I'm the first ever, because I think about that now with my kids. I look back at the pictures of my phone the first time my son did this, the first time my daughter did that. And so for me, growing up, I try to think of all the first. And to be able to say that you're the first son to ever induct his father into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, at the time, I don't know if it really kind of resonated, but now being 38 years old, it's something to look back on. And it was kind of that moment that introduced me to the world. And when I was just at the Hall of Fame last year for Erlacher being inducted, It's just amazing to see how many Bears fans and just people that love pro football, that they talk about that. That's like one of, if not their favorite moment of the hall of fame, like ever. And I'm just like, what? Mm. I mean, that, 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 what me? And they said just the the feeling. And I just think it's, it was the moment. It was me doing that for my dad. And I think it also too, was when you look at who my dad was and looking that class that went in that year, I mean, it was a, it was all pretty special, so just to be a part of it was was amazing.
0: And and I should explain that Jim Finks actually drafted your dad. He was the general manager yeah. of the Bears at the time, and so that's yeah. why your dad originally wanted him because he drafted him out of this you know little school and gave him that opportunity to play <sighs> in the NFL. Um, but Jim Finks was battling lung cancer at the
1: time, so yeah. You know, what. I couldn't find like a video of the speech. But, I know. Yeah, but I I was able to find transcript, and I noticed the first thing that you said was "so let's try and get this over with." Was that was that part of like a written out script, or was that something no. like you just got up there and you saw all the people in the crowd and you were like, "oh God, like all right, let's just get this <laughs> over with."
2: Let me tell you, uh, I just I, I just. I don't know what it is lately, from all this stuff that's been going on, I think it chills like when 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 amazing things that I always talk about it, when I'm passionate about something and I love something so much, I get these this this rush of emotion and I just got as soon as you mentioned that part, it took me back to that moment, it took me back to that moment, and people don't know my dad and I earlier that day i mean he he took me downtown to this place, Realta to get these nice suits with, uh, I think they had shoulder pads in them, just to make it bigger. You know, I mean, that in the 90s, Thank you're laughing, you know, the 90s, that was a thing, right? Absolutely. You know I, mean? I, was looking, I was looking smooth, and so my dad would always wear his collar, his shirt and, like, his suits and ties. He would never wear a shirt underneath, and so he would never wear a shirt underneath, and so um, I totally wanted to uh, wear a shirt underneath, and It was, he was, you know, you can't do that. You can't do that. So he left real quick, and we were battling back and forth because it was so hot, and I wanted to not, I didn't want to sweat so much. And so that moment, it was all about just trying to get up there, and as soon as I got up there, I looked into the crowd and saw all those people, and I literally just freaked. Uh. So I said it. It wasn't written down. I just said it. And, and once I heard everybody start laughing, it really just kind of, it opened everything up. So one
1: of the things that I was wondering, because you said you were 13 years old, being in high school, um, anytime something happens ever in high school or in middle school and people know about it, people will talk about it. So obviously it was over the summer, but you come back to school however many weeks later what was the because obviously people knew who your dad was but what was the response of like teachers and classmates and all that what what was that like coming back to reality after that big moment
2: uh, It was it was pretty amazing I mean just to be able to have you know the kids like really kind of enjoy you know everything that went on and how special it was for me I mean it was it was one of those moments that I look back on and I'm like, man, this is what it's all about. And the kids were like, I can't believe I saw you on TV. Like you were on TV. It was it was amazing. And so just to be able to have that experience and share it with them was was pretty cool.
0: So, Jarrett, did your dad tell you what to say? Did he prep you in any way? Did you watch other introductions? Did he say anything to you or did, did, did he want to see what you were going to write? No.
2: No, he didn't, Peggy, he didn't want to, he didn't take part in anything. I mean, it was just, it was my uh, my housekeeper, Miss Luna, who was with us from basically when I was four years old and that my sister was uh, maybe two weeks old. She lived with us. She was with us from that time until after my sister went to college. So she was with us for a long time and she was basically another mother for us and she lived with us. She was a school teacher in Jamaica, and she's from Jamaica, from Kingston, and uh, she actually helped me sit down and write it all. And I don't think it really hit me until that moment of how big the moment was until we sat down and the NFL sent, like the Hall of Fame sent a a book saying, like, I open it up and it sees, sees, like, the crowd and the stage, and it says the Hall of Fame is seen by thousands in the crowd and millions on TV, and then that's where my heart. Fell to my shoes again.
0: So. <laughs> it, it, it was so awesome, though, uh, just listening to your dad and him break down in tears because um, I guess he lost the bet, and he explains.
2: I made her, when I first got here, we made a wager that uh, who would be the first one to uh, to break down in tears, and I was the first one to say that I wouldn't. And I was the first one to say how strong I was and everything else. But uh, as it goes to show that a lot of times when you're amongst your your peers, such as these great athletes over here, you try to be something that you're not. And after hearing my son get up here and talk, I don't care if I lose the bet.
0: So, Jarrett, how was he afterwards?
2: He was... uh, because he was, I think at the moment was so much because I guess, you know, when you've been around so many of these athletes and you've been around not just uh, really good ones, but you've been around the great ones and ones that have gone on to wear gold jackets or to, you know, go to Cooperstown or whatever it is. And I think those guys have always had in their, not always probably, it was probably in the front of their mind, but it was always in their mind of like, one day when they were done, that they wanted to be recognized with the best. Mm -hmm. And for my dad, I think that's what drove him. I mean, the Super Bowl was huge. I I, I think breaking Jim Brown's record was was, was big for him. But I think to be recognized with his peers was one of those moments. And I think it was a surreal moment for him. I don't know if he really kind of grasped it until not even that day or, or after. I mean, when he grabbed me, and gave me that hug, I mean, I could tell, like, how proud he was of me. Like, I knew at that moment he gave me a bear hug that was, like, no joke. And anybody that's ever been around my dad or got a hug from him, they know, like, once he put those clamps on you, it was it's over. You're not moving. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> that's, that's where he – and he was just – he didn't say anything. And I could just hear him, and I'm like, man, like, this is – this is that moment. And so I think after, like, getting home, it all kind of sunk in. Um, but I do have to be honest. My dad was pretty – like, he wasn't happy with his Hall of Fame bust. So he didn't like – he didn't think it looked look like him. So I think that kind of, like, it kind of got him upset a little bit. I'm being honest. I am totally being honest with you guys. I am not – I can't hold back. He – he did not like it at all, and and everybody that sees it, they all say the same thing. It just doesn't look like him. Like doesn't look like him at all. And oh my god! I think he, I think he was, he was kind of upset about that. And like, if you look at the picture of both of us, um, when we're standing by it after, and I'm on the, when you look at the picture, I'm on the right. He's on the left. Like, he's not smiling. I think he was. I think he was upset. <laughs>
0: It's like, like it was a practical
2: joke or something, <laughs> yeah, like he was like waiting for them to bring out the real one like this, this one does not look like you.
1: that's so that's good, that's good, so, after the speech is over, after your speech, after your dad's speech, people are going up to you and like congratulating you, oh nice job, like what was that like because obviously, at the Hall of Fame induction, there are so many big names, so many people that you've probably watched seen on t v before. Like, what What was the immediate response of everybody that was there? What was that like for you as a
2: 13-year-old? Oh, they were it – was, it was unreal because everybody was super excited and just saying, man, you did it. And I felt it too because, you know, when you get up in something like that, oh, man, I just got chills again. Every time when you get up in those moments, like You it's either you, like, knock it out of the park or you could bomb like really, really bad. I just didn't want to bomb. And so to knock it out of the park, like I did, like you guys, it was leading up to that day. It was all day. I was reading these things off of these little note cards, like everywhere I went, like my mom's like, yeah, you want to go get some ice cream? I'm like, yeah, I got first, I got to get my, I get my index cards. Like the (laughs) index cards went with me everywhere. And so I just, it was repetition after repetition after repetition, which made me comfortable. And I've seen in my life that that is carried over into, you know, now in, in, in business and, and with my kids, with, you know, with work, all the stuff that I do. And it, that moment of seeing people and how excited they were, and they were like, you knocked it out of the park. And then having the feeling inside, too, that you actually did it. I mean, that right there, those two things combined together were something that was really really powerful and it's funny the one thing that i was scared to do it became my passion mm-hmm. you know, Like, and so that's what i tell people all the time is like listen listen you sometimes you're gonna have to walk through your fears to be able to get to your passion or your greatness which is on the other side and fear is the one thing holding you back but if you can have a chance to step out on that ledge and walk through your fears like, if you don't, you might miss out on something great. And for me, doing that after that moment, it's become a part of my business. It's I speak to companies. I travel the country. I tell my story. I mean, it's I feel more com- – <laughs> Peggy's going to laugh. <laughs> I, I'm more scared and more afraid of sitting in front of a camera with, like, knowing that people are watching at home. You put me in a crowd with, like – 5,000 people will tell me I have to speak. That's where I feel comfortable.
0: Wow. Well, I, I I get it. I totally get it. You're so much like your dad. You really are. Um, you know, you, you live with uh, positive messages. You're always doing things in the community. You know, I loved when your dad said we were we were talking. Jason and I were talking earlier about our favorite Hall of Fame speeches and some of the not so favorite Michael Jordan. Um, and I loved when your dad said near the end about the message to kids like you will learn something from everyone you meet. And yeah, and so even, true. you know, Pete Rose um, may have, you know, stumbled in his life, to, but does that mean you don't love his accomplishments and what he was really great at? And, and you know, I loved cool, cool. that message. Hold
2: up, hold up, hold up, Peggy. This is good because let's bring this in, into context with where we are right now in our world, right? Because and I've always said that I felt like my dad was a visionary where he kind of saw like things that were coming before they were there. And, and think about that now, I mean, you do anything in this day and age, like you, people, yeah. they forget, right. They, they, they forget about all the good things that you've done. And I'm not saying that I'm just saying in our world now, we have to be very, very conscious that we aren't just writing off people um, before because a story comes out about something without hearing about it or really, getting the the knowledge anymore and 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 a lot of info and we write off people and it's hard these days for people to come back from that stuff so i tell these kids to be very conscious of what they see what they read and you know like do your homework and study as much as you can about a situation or somebody um because man it's hard you make one mistake these Mm days and you're it's it's
0: We even see it with social media. You know, It's we are so quick to judge. And then we find out, oh, wait, that guy that uh, took the, the foul ball, didn't give it to the kid. He actually had given it to him earlier. And, you know, there's so many instances. Yeah. So I, I love it. And, Jared, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the Sportscaster and her son. Um, your, your dad, such an inspiration to so many of us. And you are doing such an incredibly fine job of um, carrying on as well and uh, successful in your own right so thank you so much for well, joining
2: listen, us listen I want to tell both of you guys man keep up the good work man it's a great concept and it's an honor to be able to be on with you guys and I'm just glad that you, you called me because I've been waiting for my invitation so we're <laughs> at least, at least you know what I mean I don't, I don't have to wait anymore but uh, I, I wish you guys nothing but success and all the luck in the world and um, listen I, I hope I can maybe join you down the line sometime again
0: You got it. Thank you. Watch Jared Payton on WGN-TV. On Facebook, he is, as well as Instagram and Twitter at Payton's son. Jared, thank you so much.
2: No problem, guys. Thank you.
0: Okay, that was really great. Let's take a look ahead. Now, tomorrow, Jason, we always look to see some things that we can look forward to in the future. Sports, entertainment, it can be anything personal, it can be something about us at home. What, what do you got for us?
1: Okay, so three predictions. Um, you told me in the car, actually, you're like, they can't be, like, time... Like they can't be, like, time-sensitive. I actually like doing them time-sensitive, especially for my friends that listen, because then they judge me based off of how right they are. Oh, okay. So I'm going to say that by the all-star break, White Sox can be over 500. Like, the way they look, it's been a lot of fun watching them. Um, there we go. That's out there. Uh, number two, Bulls free agency. I think the Bulls are going to make another horrible move. They're going to sign oh, another gosh. Jabari Parker. It's I just have a horrible feeling about the team. I have a horrible feeling about their path. Um, and I think that by the time we're taping the next podcast, it's not going to be looking too good for the Bulls. Um, and then my third one, non-sports related, my summer assignment at school, it's to write the college essay. You have to buy like this book and it's like a 12 or 9 or 12 step thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to have it done by the time we're back here. So. Oh, boy. Um,
0: and we are taping this in the summer of 2019. So um, hmm, that, that'll be interesting. We'll yeah. find out. All right. Well, remembering Jared Payton's speech 26 years ago inspired me in a much smaller way. I received the Ring Lardner Award. I was asked to find someone to introduce me. This is a great honor, in honor of the late, great sports writer Ring Lardner. And it's an honor given in Chicago. I received it. uh, I really was very humbled by it. They wanted me to have someone introduce me, much like these Hall of Fame speeches. Someone famous, someone people might be interested in coming to see, someone that might sell tickets, right? Well... I wanted someone else. Jason, I wanted you. And so you, at 16 years old, knocked it out of the park.
3: As I transitioned into middle school, I continued to learn more and more who Peggy was. Most of this is because of my teachers asking questions like, hey, does your mom know if Brandon Marshall's going to be gone after this year? Does your mom know where I can get one of those Blackhawks shirts? Are you going to the Bulls playoff game because of your mom? No, no, and no. Okay. <laughs> but regardless of the constant questioning, middle school is a pretty cool time to be Peggy's son. Cubs and Bulls playoffs, Blackhawks Stanley Cup championships, Bears and White Sox 500 seasons. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: but once I got into high school, things changed. My mom generously cut back on her work to stay at home with me and my siblings, thus developing me and my brother into academic prodigies. <laughs> <laughs> and now, as I'm a junior at St. Louis College Prep, despite my mom not being as famous as in years prior, my respect, understanding, and love for my mom is only grown. As I sit here and find myself trying to get into the same business as she did, my mom has become my greatest mentor. In my 16 years of life, I've called my mom names such as mom, mother, birth giver, and sometimes Peggy. <laughs> but I never thought that one day I'd be calling her a coworker. When my mom first approached me several months ago about potentially doing a podcast, I was very skeptical. This was in a time when all I could think about was GPAs, friends, articles, and the little college process. The absolute last thing I needed was a job offer. But nevertheless, I took it, and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. We're three episodes in recording, and I believe the first one's gonna be um, published. Hopefully, hopefully next week, okay. Um, and it's been awesome. Not only have I um, had my own good time, I've learned a lot about my mom, I've learned a lot about sports journalism, podcasting. Um, it's been incredible, and I, now I'm going to ask that you guys all go follow us on Twitter. Um, it's the sportscaster
0: your the Sun. Um, we're going to be up on South next week. Yes! Um, yeah, so. <laughs> so, yes, Walter Payton, you can learn something from everyone you meet. Our thanks to Jared Payton of WGN-TV in Chicago. Follow him at Jarrett W. Payton on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Payton's Son. Thanks to the pro football, basketball, and baseball Halls of Fame, Adam Yaffe, for his amazing support and expertise in driving our podcast. The artwork and logo is designed by Shay Kanander. Please subscribe to our podcast, The Sportscaster and Her Son, on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, basically wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and son.com.
1: You can find my stories on Fansided, as always, and my mom's on NBCChicago.com. Thank you for listening.
0: The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by ElectroFlex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of liquidite flexible conduit electrically connecting our world.